0: As you know, we are continuing this series in the book of Hebrews. And I want to go into it right now. And before we kind of start the sermon, I want to give some context. I want to set a foundation. In chapter 11, Pastor Ken mentioned so brilliantly earlier, we have the writer, which is controversial. We don't know who wrote the book. Some people think it's Paul. Some think it's other people. We don't know, but we do know that someone wrote it to Jewish believers. And the writer is writing about the faith of these heroes. And in essence, he's saying faith is made up, again, not of things we hope for. Or rather, of things we hope for, not of things, get this, that we see. Too many times we want to see it before we believe it. But how the kingdom of God works is you have to believe it oftentimes before you see it. Faith is based off of what we hope for, not the things we see. So he says that faith helped our ancestors survive. It is faith that allowed them to continue to push forward, even, hear this, in the face of death. It is faith that kept them on the journey. We get a glimpse. (laughs) We get a glimpse. Of the accolades that these individuals made, some administered justice. Others saw God's purpose fulfilled. There are many who tamed the mouth of a lion. Those walked in flames. There are those who were sometimes insulted and jeered. Many thrown in jail. Some faced death that you would not believe. But yet, by faith, they arrived. By faith, they've made it. By faith, we can count on the witnesses. We can count on the testimonies. We can count on the stories of those who came before us. And hear this. They didn't have Jesus yet. And so the writer is setting us up. For when he says in chapter 12, let's read it here. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, in light of what just happened, in light of what we just heard, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2 continues, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Right there, I want to pause for the cause and celebrate that God is the one who was there in the beginning, who will be there at the end. I need someone to get that right now in your soul, that he is the beginning of our faith. So you may have came here today not knowing why you're here. That's why. The founder and perfecter of our faith who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Allow me to read one more text. Just one verse found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24. This is what it says. Do you not know that you, that rather that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? Here's the command. Here's the charge. So run that you may obtain it. This morning I want to share with you for the next three hours and 44 minutes. <laughs> Someone was like, "Yes, sir. Yes, sir." But I want to share from this subject on your mark, get set, and we'll leave it right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. God, I don't want to take this moment lightly that There may be someone in here, maybe one, that came here just to hear what you have to say to them. So, God, I pray right now that you would use these lips of clay. I pray that you use me as a vessel, as a conduit to help communicate your word clearly. God, we love you. Help us leave here different than we came in. We love you, and everybody said. Oh, come on, let's give God a hand, clap of (laughs) praise after we get ready to hear his word. On your mark, get set. Does, does anyone like to run here? Anyone like to run? Where my is at? That's what I thought. So <laughs> I used to like to run, but the only thing I run to now is to the fridge for late night snacks. Hello. <laughs> the only thing I, I run to, I run, I'll make a quick run to Taco Bell, you know what I'm saying? I'll make a quick run to Target, but running right now, woo. Uh Uh-uh, especially after four girls. Especially after four girls. But that was not the case in high school. In high school, ooh, I loved to run, especially sprint. I was a sprinter. Matter of fact, in my high school right now, to this day, I'm going to hold this badge proudly. To this day, I still have the record for the 200 meter. Hello. Hey, come on. Yeah, you can clap. Yeah, yeah. I love the sprint. And I love, I, love, I love track meets when we did them track meets at that time. And three reasons why I love track meets. Number one is, I, I regret to admit this, but I used to take other teams' merch. I, I, I was addicted to it. I love wearing the, the rival school's t-shirts. I grabbed sweatpants. Matter of fact, by the end of the year, I had sweatpants that would last me for two school years. I know I've since, it's horrible. I've since repented and I'm changed. But back then, heck no, I was in the world and taking merch. Another reason is I love concession food, oh Lord. Anybody love the rubbery burgers at football games, at baseball games? I don't know about you, but I love the rubbery rubbery burgers and the cheese that's melted and the soggy bun. I can I can't get enough of it. I love the smell of the hot dogs being burnt on the grill by some wannabe cook dad. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love concession food. I don't know why I'm just addicted to it. But the third reason I love track meets is the obvious reason. I I love the races in particular, I love to run the 200 meter dash. That was my race. Now, if you do not know, the track is made up of 400 meters. It's a lap, so I ran half of it, the 200 meter, and that was my, that was my jam, that was my mmm. that was it right there. Now in high school, this may not be a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to me, I ran a 21.7. Now, to give you some perspective, Usain Bolt ran 19 seconds. So. I'm two seconds from Usain Bolt. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know? And so I I love the 200-meter dash, and I'll never forget this one moment. It was an exhibition event, and we were at the track meet, and I remember being on the field, our home turf, and I'm just excited, right? I'm ready to go. And normally, I don't get nervous because, at that moment, I was deemed the fastest in the tri-area, the three counties and around us, and so I'm like, yeah, this is easy, whatever, cool. So they had some boys from DeSoto County, from Hardy County, come through. And I remember, as I'm getting set, I'm in the lane. So I want you to understand there are eight lanes, right? Eight lanes. And then the, the top runners will be in the fourth, fifth, and sixth. So each meter, there is a starting line. And so right when you're prepped, right before, the runners all do these kind of rituals, right? And so this is the first time I've ever been intimidated. One dude from Hardy County, he, I forgot his name, but he's a cool brother. He comes into, he's like walks and he's like, you know, he's kind of doing his thing and he does this one number, right? He squats and then he jumps as high as he can and slaps his knees. Pause. That right there is intimidating. <laughs> like you're just standing there and he's like, you're like, what in the? It was intimidating. Another guy is doing these high steps, but he's doing it in this rhythmistic fashion, right? So he's just like, mm. <clears throat> I'm like, yo, what is happening? Right now? I'm just standing there. I'm just like, so I got, I got to try to make something up. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what to do, and so I, I get ready to go into the racing portion, and you have to understand, there is a starter or a ref. He has a, a gun, and he, he says these commands. Now, when he says these commands, this is what ought to take place. He says, on your mark, at that moment, every runner has to get to the finish, the starting line, get settled, situated, so you would have to have your hands postured in a way so it's not crossing the line, knees down, and as soon as everyone is still, then he would say, get set. Pause. On your mark is where you are, get set is how you are your position so here he goes get set and i would lean forward and then he'd give the command go so i'm there i'm ready he says the command on your mark everyone's kind of getting situated they get still get set that's the sound of the gun now here's the scary thing as a sprinter or a runner when you hear this that means somebody false started now, in a regional match, if you false start or scratch, you are disqualified. So I remember hearing, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, I, I, think, I think I false started. So I'm walking back, because I know I'm, I'm gonna be disqualified. I know it's, it's a wrap. I can't, I can't run in a race anymore, and I'm, my head's down, and everyone else is trying to figure out if it's them. And so the starter looks at everybody and he says, hey, hold on you guys still have an opportunity to finish the race. You are not disqualified. And I share that to share this. There are many of you guys who walked in this room who are in this race called the Christian life and you feel disqualified. Or maybe some of you have walked in here and you guys are not even in the race. But I'm here to encourage somebody this morning on assignment to let you know that you are not disqualified. You can still finish the race. There's still time for you to start. Do not be intimidated. Do not be weary. You can get in the race. There's still time. There's still time for you to get in this race. And I mentioned earlier that the race it's the Christian life. It's the life that we live when we're saying yes to Jesus. But I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to do this. So I, I want to be the proverbial starter today, and I'm in, I'm at the starting line, and everyone's at the starting line, and I'm going to use my proverbial gun, and I'm about to give the command for every single one of us, so that we can go on this race. You ready? On your mark. Pause. Wait. Wait, I would be remiss to think that everybody else or everybody's in the race. And here's what we're going to do. Before we start, everyone needs to be in the race. Because here's the truth. You will never reach the finish line if you're not in the race. You'll never get there if you're not in the race. Again, understand this metaphorically. We're speaking about the Christian life. Here's a sign that you're not in the race, that you have not given your life to Jesus, that you haven't, you, didn't, you haven't said yes, you haven't made that sacrifice of self and said, God, I want you not to just be the Savior of my life, but the Lord of my life. Yeah. Hey, listen, just because you come to church doesn't mean you're in the race. Just because you read your Bible, oh, check this, does not mean you're in the race. Just because you say the right things, you post the right stuff, does not mean you are in the race. The only indicator that you're in the race is Jesus Christ is residing inside of your heart. I need you to understand that the only indicator is Jesus. What I don't want for us and the church, capital C, I don't want the church to be the cast of the Avengers. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Kieran? I don't want us to be a group of people that can act. Yeah. Wearing costumes, pretend to be something that we're not. Yeah. But you may be thinking, hey, wait, what? What, what, what does that look like? Here, we're going to do it right now. We're not going to wait to the end of service. We're not going to wait till the keys are, and everyone is all super spiritual. No, we're going to we're going to take a moment to get in the race right now, every single one of us. You may be one. You may have not given your life to Jesus, and you want to do that right now. Because here's the, here's the staggering question. If I were to ask you, if something happened to you today, God forbidding, but something would happen to you and you were to be before God, what would your status be? Oh, let's have church this morning. Amen? What would your status be? Where would you stand with God if you were before God? What sin is blocking you from reaching the creator of the universe? But here, I'll tell you, I-, I love this because Jesus is the only one that can change your status like that. Yeah. And here's the truth here's the truth. The Bible is clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. It says this, that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for you and I. In essence, God is the ultimate substitute. God is the ultimate sacrifice. God is the ultimate redeemer. So if you came in here full of sin, not knowing about this Jesus thing, not knowing where your end goes, not knowing how to fill the void that you can't seem to fill, Jesus is the answer. He wants to save you today. He wants to change your status. He wants to put you in the race. He wants to put you in the race. Maybe you maybe you've been acting and you need to recommit. Maybe you've been playing the part for too long and your grandparents came to church and your mom told you some stuff but you haven't made that commitment. Maybe you need to readjust. This moment for you too. So right now, just for a moment of privacy and concentration, we're going to pray. And if we're going to bow our heads, I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand because I want this to be what you want. I can't force this on you, but I can ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And let's pray. I'm going to pray this prayer, and inside of your soul, inside of your heart, I want you to accept it, grab it with faith. Lord Jesus, for far too long, I've kept you out of my life. I know that many of us in here, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I cannot save myself. I no longer choose to close the door when when I hear you knocking, but by faith, I'm gratefully receiving your gift of salvation. I'm ready to trust you, Lord. I'm ready to give my life to you. Thank you for coming to this earth. I believe that you're the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. And on the third day, thank you for being the gift that I need, for granting me eternal life, for changing my status. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my Savior. Amen. Oh, come on, let's celebrate for those who made that decision. So, we're all in the race. We're all at the starting line. We're all on our mark. We're we're ready to go. We're ready to do this thing, but we have to get set. The starter told me, said, hey, you guys can finish the race, but you have to get set. And naturally, the question you're probably asking is, how do I get set? What I want to give you right now is three ways you and I can get set for this race, for this Christian life, for this journey as we pursue Jesus. Because that's the goal, right? The yeah. goal of this race is to pursue Jesus, to be just like Jesus. Right. Here, let me, let, me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this, all right? If you don't look like Jesus, then you're not in the race for Jesus. The Bible tells us clearly, clearly in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. It says this, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And today we're going to get set. So I want you to take notes, pictures, whatever you got to do, because I firmly believe that this is something that God has brought me here to share with you. You ready? Number one, in order to get set for this race, to be faithful in this race, number one, we have to strive to be light. And that's to strive to run light. Here's the writer of this, of this um, chapter, and he says this. He says, instruct them. He says, let them know that we have to lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Listen, in order to run this race effectively, you have to run light. Why would we want to make it harder to be a Christian by adding additional things? This, This journey is already tough enough. It's already hard to love your neighbor. It's already hard to pray for forgiveness. It's already hard to do the things that God is calling us to do. But why would we want to add to that? Here, let me illustrate it this way. The writer... Thank you sir the writer writes this which is unique because you can see it he says therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness let us lay aside every weight comma and sin interesting why doesn't he add both of them together why isn't it just sin i think the writer the author wants you and i to know that there are things that are morally neutral that can still cause us that's true. to not reach the fullness of God in our yeah, life. Yeah. Let me show you. Comfort is not a bad thing. Comfort is not a bad thing. I'll never forget. Three and a half years ago, I was sitting at my old church, and I was at my job, and I got a text message from Pastor Brent. And Pastor Brent texted me and said, Hey, look, we, we need um, a youth pastor. Things are happening, transition happening. so we want you to be a part. We want you to be on our team. I was like no. Mm. Later on it was revealed that the reason I said no is because I didn't want to take a risk. I was comfortable where I was at. I didn't want to obey the word that God was saying inside of my heart. And Here's the thing, delayed obedience is still disobedience. You're comfortable. God, call, God is calling you. God is calling you. I don't like it. It bothers me when God tells me to do something for an individual and I wait. Ah, oh God, I'm comfortable in my seat at the mall. I'm eating right now. Why do you want me to go pray for this individual? It's, ah, I'm not comfortable. See, comfortability is not bad unless. Yeah. Yep. Here, let's do another one. Money is not bad Unless, unless every single ounce of your resources is going to satisfy your need, not anyone else's. Like, some of us are going through financial difficulty. The reason we're going through financial difficulty is because we have not handled our money. We've allowed our money to handle us. Money is not bad, unless. Safety is not bad, unless. We are absorbing the propaganda that the world is trying to give us. Instead of using wisdom, we're using fear to dictate our life. Safety is not bad. It's good unless it's causing us to be divisive on every platform. It's causing us to be separated. Safety is not bad unless. Let me keep going. TV is not bad unless. Listen, can I, can I say this? Speaking, speaking personally, hey, maybe spouses, turn your TV off and just talk to your husband. Talk to your wife. Some of us use TV as an escape or an excuse not to be in an intimate relationship. Or we use it as an excuse just to sit and be lazy. TV is not bad unless. Here, unpopular opinion. You ready? I'm about to step on some toes ready for this one? Drinking is not bad unless. They didn't like that one, Pastor Ken. They didn't like that one. Drinking is not bad unless. What do you mean? The Bible is clear. Drinking is not a sin. Being drunk is. Here's, Here's the truth. Here's the truth because this stuff is getting heavy. Why would I want to do something that may not cause me to stumble, but cause my wife to stumble? And here's the truth. I've seen this this subject done godly. I'll be transparent. My father, every single Sunday, had this cup of wine every Sunday. Never have I seen him drunk. Never have I seen anybody in the household affected him. But I've seen individuals try to do the same thing and destroy everything around them. Hey, it's not bad unless. Well, we have to understand there are morally neutral things that are not bad, but they can cause us to hinder what God is trying to do in our life. Like, how difficult would it be, is it, to run the race? I'm trying to get set, but I'm trying to hold my baggage. I'm trying to get this weight. It's hard. And you know what's What what's truth about true about this? Other people see it too. Oh, you don't think they see your baggage? Oh, boo boo. (laughs) Listen, some of y'all just need to get a sozo, and then people will call you. Like, some of y'all just need to understand that we cannot. We cannot do life with all of this weight. Christianity is not meant for us to run with unnecessary weight. It says lay aside every weight and sin. Other translations will put the word the in there, but the original doesn't put the word the. And sin that so easily or closely clings to us. Statistically speaking... There are some of us in here who are addicted to pornography. There are many of us here who are watching online who are just flat out mean. There are many of us who are still battling, let me say it this way, who are willfully practicing substance abuse. Sin. Sin. I know that word is not talked about often in in the capital C church, but arise, we mentioned sin. And sin is the heaviest thing that can weigh you and I down. Matter of fact, sometimes it prohibited. Some of us have was prohibited from worshiping today because of the sin that is so weighing us down in this place. The writer says, let it go. Lay aside. So I want you to know this. He writes this down, he says, lay aside. And I love the ESV, how it translates, because it uses, it stays cloak to the original translation. So the original word for lay aside, the word is a compound word made up of two words. I will, I'm gonna attempt to say it, but it's gonna sound silly. Um, Apotokututu. <laughs> the pronunciation is not important, but the meaning is. The first part, the compound word, apo, means to put down. Or lay away, somewhere far away. And the second compound word, titi (laughs) muyo, is to lay aside. So, first one, away, second, aside. But the idea is this when you lay something down, get as far away from it as possible. No, this is not passive, friends. This means, oh, you know what? I'm not going to remain comfortable. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out in holy faith every single chance I get. It means, oh, I'm going to be wise, but God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind and self-control. I'm going to get away from that as far as possible. Are you hearing me? I, I, I want, I want, I need, I like money. Money's good. It pays the bills. It gets me from here to there, but I am not going to let money handle me. Matter of fact, I'm going to give my heart to God so that he can control my money. So I'm going to lay that aside and stay right here. Are you tracking with me? Listen, I know there are certain things that are morally neutral, but you know what? This is going to cause my friend to stumble. I was delivered from this, so I'm going to stay away from it or I'm going to do it in a manner that is godly that doesn't con- contribute or contradict anything the word said. So I'm going to lay it aside and get away. Lay aside every weight. That so easily entangles you and not. The the NIV, it uses very, very violent language. It says, throw off everything. Have you seen a bull rider? You guys have seen those images? I was looking at videos of bull riders bucking people off. It's the funniest thing. (laughs) It's the funniest thing. So, you know, a person gets on thinking, they're like, oh, yee-haw, I got this, right? (laughs) And so the bull is like, (laughs) starts bucking going nuts. I've literally seen people fly in the air. Like, I love it. If I had time, I would have made a video. But here's the idea. Here's the idea. Throw it off. Not, uh, I'm going to sit and wait. No. Get rid of it. Throw it off and run from that screen that's causing you to look at pornography. Throw it off. Any substance that is causing you to hinder any TV show, throw it off and get away because you have a race to run and you can't run if you're heavy. Oh, come on somebody. Anybody believe this morning that you need to be light when you run? We got to strive to run light. We can't afford to run heavy. We cannot afford to add additional things to our life. It can't be can't be heavy. The second thing is this, you and I need to endure through pain. How do we get set for this race to be faithful in it? One, we got to strive to run light, and then number two, we got to endure through pain. Now, as I was preparing this point, Excuse me, I originally had the concept written like this, endure past pain. And then something struck me in my spirit. Because one who attempts to move past something is someone who's trying to get from one side to another as fast as possible. Oh, I just don't want to get past this divorce. I just want to get past this financial crisis. I just want to get past this momentary lapse. I just want to get past this rebellious child stage of my child. I just want to get past it. But here's my question for you today: How can you learn from something you are just trying to get past? Like I, I get it, you're you're having relational problems, but how are you going to learn from it if you're trying to just trying to get past it? I, I, I understand. I understand there, there are things happening at work that you're bought, But how are you going to learn from it if you're just trying to get past it? I get it. I get it. Kids can be difficult. Hello. But how are you going to learn from it if you're just trying to get past it? And what many of us need to do is Pause. And say, no, 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 I'm not just going to get past it. I am going to fight through it. And on the way, I'm going to take what God wants me to take. I'm going to grab what God needs me to take. Oh, you know what? I was mean at times, so let me put that in here so next time God has corrected me to be better. You know what? I did spend like wild over here. Let me put it right here. Let me get through this. And on the other side, I've learned something. I need you to know, don't just get past it, get through it. Get through it. And hear me loud and clear. There are things in life that happen not based off of this broken planet we live on. So not everything is self-inflicted. Sometimes hurt people hurt people. Sometimes bad things happen. But I think there's still something God wants us to learn from it. Like if I'm going to suffer, If I'm going to go through pain, I want to learn how to be better on the other side. And you say, Pastor Kim, how how does that happen for someone who who may have been assaulted sexually? How, How can they learn from that? Tough. Difficult. Hard. But if anything, someone can learn that God is still with them regardless of what they're going through. Because hear me, if God... God had to be with certain people while they were assaulted so that he can be with them when they're alone to comfort them, to be there for them. Understand this. There is something for us to learn. What does scripture tell us? Trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. If anything else, I'm going to learn that God is there. I've been through some tough things. But God was there. Things that weren't my fault. Things that I didn't cause on myself, but God was there, and I grew more. Here's what Scripture tells us, right? It tells us this. In first, no, yes, uh, excuse me. Scripture tells us, there it is. I didn't have it written down because it was in here. James chapter 1, which is a funny verse. James looks at the readers and he says, hey, bro, consider pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. What? Excuse me? Come again? Consider it pure joy whenever you face difficulty. No. When I was sick in bed, I wasn't happy. (laughs) When my my marriage was on the brink of divorce, I wasn't happy. When I lost my grandmother, I wasn't happy. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, when you go through stuff, when you go through difficulty, God wants to grow you. Look, I have have four kids now, so I understand there is a stage in their life where they're going to be in so much Pain. But you know what that's called? Growing pains. Because pain equals growth. And if I can understand the concept that God is growing me, he's testing me, he's building me, he's maturing me, so now I can look at young people and say, hey, look, I've been where you are, but God is still alive. I can look at people who are broken in their marriage and say, look, it doesn't doesn't have to be like that. It can be better. I can look at people who've been through death and I can say, God is still there. Because I've grown. But if you don't grow, you stay exactly where you are. And then you go through a cycle. Look, look, I I, want to stay here for a moment because I I need us to get this. Jesus promised that in this world we are going to have problems. But then he flips and he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He wants to grow. He said the testing of your faith faith produces problems perseverance. You ever wonder why the older saints are the way they are? Because they've been through it. Yeah. <laughs> like talking to my father, man, like it's, he's always happy. Nothing is bad. Like, he, like I'm like, dad, I, I got COVID and I'm sick. He's like, son, it's going to be okay, son. God is good. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> like, bring me some medicine or something. I don't, I don't, like you. I Ask my wife. He's just always chipper. Like It's like nothing's bad. Dad, dad you lost your leg. Oh, it's good, son. It's good. It's good. Yes. <laughs> God, God is good. Why? Because he's been through it and God has grown him. And I want us to grow. God wants us to grow. That's why he says consider pure joy. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This is not a race, this is a marathon, or rather this is not a sprint, rather, this is a marathon, and I want you guys to know this. If you allow it, you can grow. You can get better, stronger, your faith can be deeper, more rich, or if you allow it, just go through it. Don't just go past it. The third and final thing we have to do to get set. As again, to refresh, number one, we have to strive to run light. You have to endure through pain. And finally, you have to train your eyes. Train your eyes. Verse two, the author gives us how we can do all this. He says, Looking to Jesus. Oh, come on, right there. Looking to Jesus. Man, that, should, that, that probably hits a lot of us home because we haven't been looking to Jesus. We've been looking to Google. <laughs> We've been looking to our boss. We've been looking to dating apps. We've been looking through all this, but we're not looking to Jesus. Understand this. And the best way to train your mind, rather, the best way to train your eyes is with your mind. Oh, think about it. What starts up here affects what you see out there. This is why scripture is so clear. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because I, I can the battle is already lost if I've already given up up here. And that's why, that's why I love what Paul says. Paul says this, hey friends. What, this is what I need you to do. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about it. A.K. every command, every teaching that God has given us, think about that. Think God thoughts. Like whenever, I want you to try this. Whenever you're about to get in an argument, think, love your neighbor, 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 love your neighbor. You know what, man? You can have that parking spot. Think God thoughts. Think about godly things. That's why in the word, getting the word daily is so vital, important, because we cannot, we cannot pull from an empty vessel think about godly things. I've shared this story before. My college football coach always taught us this. Whenever we were to catch a football, we would have to look at that single point right in the center of the spiral. Nothing else. Nothing else. You have to look at that single point and focus on it. Hear me. What you focus on will form you. If you focus on nonsense, that is what's going to come out. Focus on negativity, that is what's going to come out. That's what you will look like. That's why when I talked about friendships, I'm talk, it, it's essential that who you're around is vital because you evolve into who you're around. Because if the devil can manipulate you up here, he can control you anywhere else. And his favorite tactic is distraction because he knows if he can get your eyes off the prize, You've lost. And we have to train, train, train our eyes. I love what he says this. He says, But Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Understand, like Jesus did not want to go to the cross. When he was in the garden of gethsemane he prayed to the father saying god i don't want to do this but you see his focus he said but god not my will but your will for for the joy set before him he's looking to god he's looking to the purpose of redeeming you and me he's focused on the father's mission he's he's like i can't i can't even imagine the brutalness that he must have went to How they beat him, how they flogged him, insulted him, and he stood there, enduring the pain. focused on, okay, God, this is for Erica, God, this this, this is for Susie, God, God, this is for Amanda, this is for Tom, this is for Bob, okay. I'm going to keep looking at you. I'm going to keep focused on you. I'm going to stay put. I'm going to keep running. And he gets to the cross, and the Bible tells us that they nailed him, hands and feet. And he hung there, suffocating for us. And I love this because it said, despising the shame, meaning The guilt that you feel at times, he put it on the cross. He made a fool of the sinful guilt and conviction that we feel when we go through things. That's why why the gospel is so clear. Whenever we are going through something, don't run away from the cross. Run to it. Because that's where the shame is. That's where he hung it. That's where he's going to leave it for you and I. This is what he did for you and I. Focus on Father. Then he uttered these final words, Father, why why have you forsaken me? In a moment where he thought he was done, the Bible says God raised him up from the grave. And now he's alive here to redeem you and I. Friends, we have to train our eyes because Jesus is the ultimate example to look at the Father. In light of the Olympics, I, I want to share a story and I'm going to read it. Many of you guys have heard it. But I think it brings, a, it brings a thought home. In August 1992, Derek Redmond from Great Britain was favored to win the 400-meter race during the Summer Olympic Games in Barcelona, Spain. But as he powered through this, like I, I want you to envision your, your life in this. As he powered through the back stretch, his hamstring snapped. Snapped. Redmond tried desperately to finish the race. And this is the, the picture I see for every one of us, most of us in here, that we have got to a moment where it just, oh God, it hurts too much. It's too tough. It's too hard. And I I, I want to finish God. I want to end strong. I want to come to the end of my life and for you to look at me and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. But Lord, right now it's difficult. I cannot get my kids to listen to me. Right now it's difficult. I can't seem to hold a job because the economy is crazy. Right now I have family members overseas who are suffering and I don't know what to do. God, this is hard. To, He desperately wanted to finish the race, but he was still half the distance. He had so much to go. And because he couldn't walk, he hopped. One step, he grimaced. Two steps, he yelled in agony. And then Jim Redmond had to get to his struggling son. It's said that he doesn't remember all the steps from section section 131, row 22, seat 25 of the Olympic Stadium. He doesn't really remember leaping over railing and pushing off security guards who were trying to stun him to stop him. He was not just a spectator. He was participating. Jim Redman was a father and he had to get to his son. Dad derek said Dad get me back in lane five dad yo put me back put me back in the race dad i i, I can't stop let, let me let me i know this is hard i my relationship is Ruined, but put me back in the race. Dad, I, I, I lost my loved one, but God put me back in the race. He says, Dad, put me back in the race. And his father says, Son, lean on me. You're going to finish today. And I need to tell somebody that the Father is here to let you know that you don't need to quit, that you don't need to stop. You are going to finish the race. You're going to finish. Here's what he promises. In Philippians 1, verse 6, my life verse, it says this, being confident in this that he who began a good work, remember the founder and perfecter of our faith, he who began a good work will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What I see is the Father holding me back, is the Father holding me up, is the Father pushing me forward to get to the finish line. Oh friends, this is the moment that you and I are going to be charged to finish. Why? Because we are set. We are set. Oh, you didn't believe me, check it out. You're set, you strove to be light. You endured through pain and you trained your eyes. You are now set. We are ready to go. We are ready to leave here and finish strong. Whenever our moment is, we're not gonna quit. So everybody on their feet right now. This is gonna be the charge. This is gonna be the release. Again, I'm your proverbial starter. And so what I wanna do, something a little different, is as soon as I give the command, I want you to come up front and I want us to worship and release, release any kind of weight, release any kind of pain and focus on Jesus. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the command, I hope you're ready. I'm ready. I feel like God is going to move in this place. I need you to come up front like we're in the race. No matter the age, no matter the position, if you're able, come here and we are going to run. So hands in the air. Father, right now, Father, right now, I pray as we give this command as we get set to walk out these doors. Lord, we are in a race for you. So God, I am going to to set this command by your commission. I'm going to yell on your mark, friends, this is the day, get set. Oh, come on. This is the moment God wants to change your life. Go, come to the front, let's worship. Oh, come on, let's live it up to Jesus.